Welcome back to the pub. Welcome back to the United Pubcast. You're with Larry, your host today, and I've got, as always, Tom with me. And boy, Tom, you're going to need your drinks by the time we get through this one. Well, I was absolutely looking so much forward to this podcast. We discussed it last week. This was the podcast of all podcasts. We were so looking forward to it. It had everything riding on it in terms of beating Arsenal, all the banter that comes with that. But um, talk about ruining your Monday. Monday, it was just, it was just depressing. Just depressing. I mean, Mondays are hard enough to get out of bed and start the working week, and then you have Man United. It's like, oh, no worries. Just hold my beer. We'll top it off. But before we rip into today's or this morning's events, um, and a bit more somber way to start the podcast, uh, Nobby Styles obviously passed away, um, a member of the Manchester United Champions League squad uh, that won in 1968, also a part of the England side that won the World Cup. Um, passed away from dementia. And then on top of all of that, Tom, we have Sir Bobby Cholden has unfortunately been diagnosed with dementia. Um, talk to me. Uh, what did you feel? What did you think when you heard the styles about the, the news about Nobby Styles and also the sad news about uh, what Bobby Cholden has to face? Well, yeah, it's hard that it's almost come sort of back to back because Nobby Styles has had a really tough battle with it over the last couple of years. And um, it's sort of a quite well-known case in regards to his situation. And so obviously extremely sad to hear that he passed away, but then you hear a day later that um, obviously his ex-teammates, Sir Bobby Charlton, and pretty much the definition of what is Manchester United is Sir Bobby Charlton. He, he's now diagnosed with it, which it's not a good thing. And he's, he's going to have a long battle ahead of him, both he and his family. And it's just sad. You just wish him the best and wish his family the best. But um, unfortunately, it's, it's a sign of time and sometimes this, these things happen. Yeah, um, we could go on about this for a while. There's been links with, you know, heading the ball and the effects that that can have on the brain. But look, none of that's conclusive at this stage. Um, But our thoughts and our prayers are with both Nobby Styles and with Sir Bobby Childen's family members. And obviously in Sir Bobby's case, wishing him a strong battle. And I'm sure everyone at the club is behind him. Tom, let's talk about the game. Um, Boy, where do you start? Um, Let's actually start with the starting eleven. Um, Pogba on the left-hand side, back four. It's sort of what we wanted, but sort of not what we wanted. Was it what you expected? And before the, take the game out of the equation for now. Were you happy with the lineup? Overall, yeah. I think most of us did call for a diamond. Now, while we did line up in a diamond, I don't really think it played out like that. I think that people said Fred played deep and McTominay played on the sort of the right-hand side of it. I didn't really think that was the case. Although McTominay played alongside Fred and Pogba almost played as a left winger. So I think on paper it was a diamond, but I don't think it really played out like that. And no real complaints. I think in hindsight you can look at some of the performance, or pretty much all the performances of every player and say it was the wrong decision. But before the game, um, an hour before kickoff, I was quite pleased with it. I'm with you. And the truth is we called for a diamond. I don't think anyone called for Pogba to almost be like a winger, but... Nonetheless, he put in a lot of key players there. And I want to ask you about the midfield more specifically because when we look at this result, I think it's very clear that... I mean, we were discussing this before we started recording. The weak links here were Fred and Shaw. But if we're just looking at the midfield as a whole, McTominay and Fred have received lots of praise for their performances in you know against PSG, against RB Leipzig. Is there a case here where... When you select these two players, that it's almost, and we'll get into Solskjaer, but when you play those two specifically, that you're almost, 
It has to be fit for purpose. Against Arsenal today, we needed to get on the ball. And when you play with those two in midfield, it just sort of doesn't allow United to get into any sort of rhythm and progress the ball through the midfield to the attacking players. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think one of the things that was really sort of evident for me in watching this game, like we look at Fred and look, he's a technical footballer, he's Brazilian, he's a good footballer. But just in terms of, he's got all these attributes, which we've sh- he's shown against PSG, he's shown against Leipzig, that he that he has. He's tenacious, he gets on the ball, he makes things happen. But it, when he has to dictate the play and force the play into a team that's just going to sit there in front of him, uh, he leaves a lot to be desired. And we'll discuss what McTominay is before. We've said, okay, he can come in and do a job. But in terms of football, like we could sit here and very sort of confidently say Andreas Pereira is a far better footballer than Scott McTominay. Now, Scott McTominay, I think, contributes more, which technically does make him better. But in terms of the ability on the ball, um, McTominay and Fred both um, just below par, I think. Not, not so much a criticism of them, but in terms of where we want to be, in terms of the standards United have, um, I don't think Fred and McTominay, as much as I love both of them, think they both have a future at United. Um, yeah, I think they're quite below par of what we do expect. I don't want to deter too much, but we sort of said in the transfer window, we are sort of surprised that we weren't linked with Thiago, not really linked with a pure number six. If you look at our side now, do you think that there is a need for that? I mean, if you're looking at Matic, I thought we looked better when he came on. But do you think United need to address someone who is a pure number six? Is it too much of a case? And perhaps this is a links into the defence and how leaky we have been, and maybe that's why he's playing Fred and McTominay. But do you think there's a need to really get a pure number six into this team? Yeah, well, well I was one of the first ones. I remember it gained a little bit of momentum as the window sort of eventuated. But I was all aboard the Thiago deal. I said, get him in, and everyone said, no, he's too old. He'll be just coming here for a paycheck. We've seen him obviously do very well at Liverpool so far when he has played. But that type of position, and I think it was clearly evident again today. I don't want to criticise Freddie McTominay too much because we're definitely going to do it later in this podcast. And I don't want to sort of question their mentality, but they were hiding. And footballers do have a term for that in terms of when a player is hiding. It's very cowardly. And they was when Maguire and Lindelof had the ball, you saw so many times Lindelof and Maguire were stood still on the ball and they'll hesitate and then they ended up having to turn back and play the hair. And that wasn't Maguire and Lindelof's fault. It was simply on Fred and McTominay. They didn't want the ball. They didn't want to go and pick up the ball in that little pocket in between the centre-halves. And that comes from confidence. That comes from a lack of ability. That comes maybe a little bit of Arsenal's um, tactical approach and the, the way Arsenal were pressing. But Fred and McTominay were just hiding. And a top number six, like a Thiago, like a Michael Carrick, like an Andre Perlo, won't hide. They'll go in and get the ball. You've seen when Matic comes in. Now Matic does have maybe a little bit more defensive aspect to his game rather than sort of sort of the spraying the ball. He obviously has the ability to spray the ball, but it's not what you sort of your first thought when you think about it. But when Matic came on, he goes and gets the ball, and I think we did lack that in the first hour. I'm with you, and Fred. Yeah, I think there was a moment in the game. He there was a breakaway about to happen. Um, I want to say it was El Nini. Um, he fouls him, and I feel like Fred just wasn't at the races since that moment. But I'm with you. I agree with everything you've said. Tom, let's talk about Paul Pogba. Um, on the topic of midfielders, he's, well, he's the culprit for the penalty. Um, Bellerin gets into the box. He's looking across the ball. Pogba's caught his foot. Bellerin goes down, and rightfully so, and it's a penalty. Aubameyang finishes. Do you think 
Is, was it just was it just a clumsy mistake from Pogba? Do you think he could have pulled out of this one? How did you assess the penalty? Yeah, it's just 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 a stupid piece of defending. He, he he doesn't need to win the ball there. He doesn't need to put a challenge in. He just has a total lack of awareness of what's around him. And I remember thinking at the time, he gives away a lot of penalties. He had the penalty against Tottenham, which was just just stupid. But again, the the game was gone. I'm not gonna sort of go in on him too hard for that. But he gave away the penalty for the handball. Um, just after lockdown, I forget which game it was against. Might have been West Ham. He was in the wall. Remember, he gave away a penalty against Jordan Henderson. Might have been in his first season or two. And it just gives me the same sort of feeling. Remember when Lukaku used to come back and defend corners? Just has no awareness of what's around him at the wrong, at that end of the field. And I just think when Pogba gets back in sort of into these six yard box and defending his eighteen yard box, he's just he's on he's on a he's he's not thinking about defending. That's not his game. But he's just. Very careless and just stupid decision. And look, you can argue if Bellerin should have gone down or not. Um, it's a penalty for me, even if it is soft. Uh, if that was United, I'd be screaming for a penalty. I've got no criticism of Bellerin here. He felt the contact, he went down. Like, you can't blame a player for that. You're always told by your coaches if you feel anything in the box, go down. So, yeah, I, I'm with you there. But. Does this not come back to what we've mentioned on the podcast in the last few weeks, that for Pogba, for all his brilliance, we're better off getting a player like a Saul Niguez, who, yes, maybe technically isn't as good as Pogba, but might just complement a system better. Surely someone who's six foot three and has the physical capabilities that Pogba has, along with the technical ability that he has, should be doing better in the box. Yeah, you say that. I don't think the physical attributes worry too much. I think if you were a defender, you'd look at... To the defend to his physical attributes in terms of that's his sole job, but Paul Pogba's job isn't to be back tracking people back into the box and sort of giving away fouls or not giving away fouls in the penalty area. That's not his job. So I don't I don't think there's any sort of sort of comparison in terms of his physical attributes. But it's just a careless thing. And I'm going to go into it later on when we talk about one or two other players. But it was so careless. What annoyed me it was sort of almost a sheer lack of professionalism. Just, just doing the right things. You, you can't be careless inside your own box, and he was. And he, it's not the reason we lost the game, but you know those things add up, and little stupid mistakes end up do costing you. Oh yes, they do, and yeah, I think we've seen enough from Pogba over the years to say maybe he just shouldn't be in and around the box when he needs to defend. Tom, um, I just want to ask you on Solskjaer. We've sort of discussed the formation a little bit, um, and I know we'll talk about himself and his position in, in a, after the 3 2 ones. but I kind of just want to touch on him in terms of this game. Tactically, did he get much wrong? Because I feel like the natural instinct is, oh, the manager's done this, the manager's done that. But for me, it wasn't tactics. Tactics today did, wasn't why we won or lost this match. Yeah, no, I had this argument on Facebook with a few people today. And it comes down to look, all our listeners, yourself as well, have played football. And, and be honest with me, have you ever come off the field? And this is if you're being honest with yourself, you've never come off the field after a loss and said that's the manager's fault. You, you, no one has ever done that. It, players take responsibility. Deep down, you know when that you cross the white line, the manager has nothing to do with the game. To win a football game, you have to control the ball and pass the ball to your teammates better than what the opposition do. That is on yourself. That is not on the manager's tactics. That is you doing the correct things. And those correct things are the basics, which you expect to professional footballers. And the professionalism of our players today in terms of just five-yard passes, and I don't, that's, I don't put the professionalism down to ability or a lack of quality or whatever. 
It is just simply a, a, a desire to do the basics right, and I don't think they were there. We saw Fred just sort of flicking the ball. He, he was playing Juan Bissaka on his left foot. When Juan Bissaka had the ball, he was playing Scott McTominay on his left foot. When Mason Greenwood had the ball, he was pinging the ball into Paul Pogba's chest. There was just no desire to do the little things right, and that is what really annoyed me. Yeah, I'm with you. Sloppy performance all round. And that brings us to our three two ones, which, Tom, you made this rule for us where we, no matter what, will find a way to give three two ones to the players on the pitch. So you built a rod for this. I'm going to let you have the honours of saying who deserves three points this match. Well, I don't know about three points. I think I've got three names for you and maybe we can have a little bit of discussion on who was least bad. But... um. Look, it is scraping the bottom of the barrel, but we will try and um, play this game as much as we can. But I've got Mason Greenwood, De Gea and Juan Bissaka. I think you could potentially throw Maddich. I thought Maddich came in and did well. But again, um, I think he came on and sort of well, ended up... We, did, we didn't win or we didn't get a draw, so he didn't do enough. But um, yeah, so for me, the three points, Greenwood, De Gea and Juan Bissaka. I would probably lean towards Greenwood as much as I don't think he was fantastic. I thought... If something was going to happen, if we were going to grab a goal, it was maybe going to come through Greenwood. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, he looked dangerous. There was one piece of play um, where the ball from Rashford was nice, I've got to say. It was a good ball. And uh, Greenwood did well to hit it first time. Um, and anything lively did come from Greenwood. If anyone was going to score today, it was going to be him. Um, so, yeah, look, I'd be happy to give... Greenwood three points. Like you said, we're scraping the barrel. I don't think he was good by any stretch of the imagination, but the best of a bad bunch. And what about De Gea and Juan Bissaka? And again, scraping the bottom of the barrel. Did De Gea actually make many saves? I'm trying to think. Uh, I feel he made a few. Distribution-wise, not bad. There was one punch he made um, with a powerful shot that came his way. Yeah, defensive shambles, to be honest. Um, I know we conceded just through the penalty, and I don't want to digress too much, but some of the build-up play from Arsenal, they had our defence all over the shop. Luke Shaw got kicked. Oh, anyway. anyway. Well, on, on Luke Shaw, um, I, I want to talk about Luke Shaw, because I have to get it off my chest. And I'm, I was just talking then about a lack of professionalism. And this falls to on Luke Shaw especially. And we've said, everyone's had a little, few little jokes about it, and there's sort of the little memes that go around the internet about his weight. He needs to sort this out because he's he can't move. He, he and that's where I say a lack of professionalism. How much is he getting paid? What, hundred fifty grand a week? He needs to get himself. He needs to get himself fit, and he he has just no desire. We get the ball. Someone will have the ball in the middle of the field, and it is lazy if if your left back isn't getting forward, making himself an option. If your left winger has the ball, it's lazy if you're not overlapping, and that is lazy. It comes down to unprofessionalism, and I am just sick of Luke Shaw. I think so much of our play get stifled when he's on the field and I just cannot wait until Tellez is back because look I don't want to be too harsh but um, yeah look I did say I was done with Fred a year or two ago but Luke Shaw I see nothing there we have evidence that he's not going to be better than what he ever has been so and that hasn't been good enough it's come in 2014 and we haven't progressed uh, Luke Shaw hasn't progressed unfortunately after his injury but I, I can't see a way back for him in the team like when Tellez comes in yeah, I'm with you. Do you remember when we signed him from Southampton? He was almost like another winger. He got right up to the byline, was crossing, was very energetic. I, I don't know. And look, I totally understand he had a horrible leg break, but like that was four years ago. So I'm sorry, I, I don't really hold that excuse anymore. 
But anyway, Tom, back to the two points. Um, look, I, I don't. I I want to give it a one Basaka. I don't think De Gea really had to do too much. Again, this is the best of a bad bunch. I feel like Lindelof and Maguire were all over the shop, albeit we conceded off a penalty. But one Basaka, I felt anything that was his way, I don't feel he did too much wrong. Well, I think they rightly or wrongly, I think they targeted him. So while I, while I leaned for the two points, is he had a lot to do. And Saka and Tierney did, did try to sort of get in around the left-hand side. And whether wan was brilliant or not, again, best of the bad bunch. And they didn't really hurt us too much down there. As, as much action as they had there, um, you never really felt too threatened. All right, wan two points. De Gea for one point. Is there any other candidates? I've seen people saying, oh, Bruno. I thought Bruno was awful today. I thought that was, yeah, I thought that was one of Bruno's worst games. He and Pogba, I thought, were... A shame. A lot of people criticised the substitution to take Bruno off. Um, I thought he made. He should have come I, off sooner. I, I thought he made more successful passes to Arsenal players than he. I thought he was one of their best players. Every time he got the ball, yeah, he found yeah. a white shirt. There you go. If Arsenal fan TV are doing three two ones, three points to Bruno Fernandez. Tom, looking forward to Istanbul. Well, look, after a bad performance, the good news is they can retaliate pretty quickly. The Champions League seems to be the only trophy we seem to care about this season. Um, what, what does Oli do here? Does he change the squad? Is he choose the same players and look for a reaction? Clearly, this isn't a good result in terms of confidence. Um, I think Martial's one that... You look. You think our attack should improve. Cavani's been playing a bit part role. Talk to me. Give me anything. Throw anything at me. Does he do anything different? Does he do much the same? What's Solskjaer going to do this week in Turkey? Well, his biggest problem now is there's no right answer uh, because his head's on the chopping block. I know Maurizio Pochettino is going to be on Monday Night Football. That narrative is already written in terms of the devastating loss. Now they're going to link Pochettino to the job. Solskjaer's head is on the chopping block here. And nothing he does will be the right decision now because to get out of this sort of, I'd call it bad patch of form, we just had two very good results, but it feels like we're in bad form. To get out of it, you need to play players, sure, and get a bit of consistency. Now, how can you play players who are in bad form and not producing? So you need to change it. Now, when you change it, it's, it doesn't sort of promote that fluidity and you can very well see players come in and out of the team and not quite having that sort of sort of chemistry with their new teammates so it doesn't sort of lead yourself to a sort of promising performance you wouldn't you wouldn't think so I don't know what he does I, I, I think the Everton game is far more important for him in terms of his job security but in terms of that I think you need to give players minutes against um, Istanbul in preparation of the Everton game but I just I don't think there's a right answer. I think in terms of a midfield now, I'll be de- definitely looking at dropping Pogba and going uh, Matic sitting by himself because Fred and McTominay. I just think, as I've mentioned at the start of the podcast, in terms of footballers, we'll see the difference when Matic gets on the ball. So I'll put Matic in there by himself with um, Bruno and Van der Beek in front of him. Whether that happens, I'm sure it probably won't happen. But if we want to play midfield three. Which, who knows, because Solskjaer changed... And I don't want to criticise Solskjaer too much because, again, how can you reward players for not performing if you can't play them consistently? So I don't... Oh, it's a hard one, Larry. You talk to me. I'm depressing myself. All right, how about this? Torrens AB comes in against PSG. First game in 10 months, has an absolute blinder. He's barely seen a look-in since. We all know that Maguire and Lindelof... Sure, maybe every now and then they put in good performances. Lindelof was good against Chelsea. 
surely we've seen enough from that partnership pairing and even enough today to say that those two do not work well together. You can go into the debate whether Harry Maguire is worth 80 million or not, whatever. He's our player now and he's our captain. He's going to be a mainstay of the side. Should Tuan Zabi not be getting a start here and an opportunity to put his hand up? Because he only, I don't know, put in a world-class performance against two of the best strikers in world football and he's barely seen a glimpse since. If Tuan Zabi, well, yeah, I was discussing the midfield. In terms of that centre-back issue, if Tuan Zabi doesn't play in this match, um, sadly, that is a... Another nail in the inevitable coffin for Solskjaer. I'm with you, mate. And in terms of midfield, again, it's a hard one. And we've sort of touched on this earlier. We don't have a number six. The only player we have who can play there is Matic, who's, what, 32 years old. You know who I feel like we should put in there? Juan Mata. You talk about the basic things that... Mason hitting the ball up to Pogba's chest and Fred, you know, using his left foot to pass it to Wan-Bissaka. You know what Juan Mata does well? He keeps the ball. Because he's just on that wavelength. And I'm, I'm with you. I think you need to find a place for Mata and you need to find a place for Van der Beek. Those two players will keep possession if not do anything else. Two guys who have not been playing a lot of football as of late. Two guys who have shown their qualities when given an opportunity. And when you take what was wrong today fundamentally, I feel like we need to keep the ball. So I'd be finding room for those two players. Look, in terms of finding room, 100%, I'm not sure. Um, maybe misinterpreted where you would play Mata. I don't... I think technically he very well could do a job there. I don't think that I don't think that's quite realistic. But in terms of, I heard a few arguments on Twitter today. In terms of, is one I didn't call one matter our best player, but there is a case for it because if you look at a Pogba or Bruno, they're better players than one matter, hundred percent. However, what defines a better player is that that better player who is capable of one time out of ten or two times out of ten a moment of brilliance. Or the player who makes the right decision nine times out of ten. We as fans and the media will remember those one or two moments of brilliance. And that's what sort of defines a good player. But in my eyes, it's the player who does the right thing nine times out of ten. You look at, it was Dennis Irwin's birthday yesterday. And he's regarded as one of the best left backs in the club's history and rightly so. The reason being, he wasn't that, he wasn't that good. Obviously he was very good. But he wasn't his world class left back. The reason he was so good is his worst performance was a seven out of ten. And Paul Pogba and Bruno are fantastic. Their best performances, they can throw in a 10 out of 10 whenever they feel like it. However, next week, they'll throw in a 2 out of 10. And that is where I have the case for why Matter being, I say, quote-unquote, a better player. Because 9 times out of 10, he will make the right decision. And our team, from back to front, constantly make wrong decisions. And it's killing us. I think what's clear is when we play a possession-based game, which is going to be most of the case, most of the case most of the time, there doesn't seem to be a good balance in the squad. It's the games where we're being required to either sit back or absorb pressure, PSG, Leipzig, where we're being able to hit teams on the counter. That's where Fred and McTominay are coming into their own. As you say, not the best footballers in the team, but have a platform to protect that back four and then you've got the pace on the counter. It's a hard one, and but see, I would be happy in this game because um, Istanbul will sit back to play Mata on the right, play Van der Beek through the middle, and maybe Rashford on the left, Martial up front. But I feel like we just need to keep the ball and find a way to you know get it moving. Look, Tom, we can say this all day long, but we'll have to see what Solskjaer does. I'm with you. I think... The next few weeks are crucial. The Everton result will be crucial, but obviously we'll be here to review it. 
tell me, let's try and end this on a positive. Instant bull. Are we getting a victory here? What's a good result for Solskjaer? Well, I watched on Optus Sport. I watched the mini-match they had against PSG. And I watched it, obviously, because still obviously a big fan of Raphael, who was playing there at the moment. And they were good. They should have got something out of the PSG game. Albeit we did beat PSG ourselves, but... Look, we definitely go into the match as favourites. It's not like when you used to go to Turkey in the early 90s and Galatasaray. But um, it will be a tough game, but you think we should win. But it's a hard one. I think games like this will come down to confidence. And I'll just sort of flip something back to you before we wrap up. There's a little bit of talk about Solskjaer, but everyone's under the assumption. And, and I probably deep down believe so he's safe for now. But maybe he's a little bit closer to the sack than we think. And we've mentioned at the start of the, the start of the season and, and throughout the first couple of weeks, as much as we back Solskjaer and we want him to stay, we're both accepted he's going to get sacked this season. Oh, yeah. Well, we only have to look as far back as Mourinho. He, he qualified out of the group stages when he got sacked, but our league position determined he was gone by Christmas. I don't know if United's financial position at the at this point will change what they do with Solskjaer, but I'm with you. Where do we sit on the table now? 15th? Yeah, if we're lucky. We're, we're, not, we're not sitting pretty. Um, so, look, if the league form continues the way it's going, he could be out by Christmas, Tom. Now, we've both said we don't want that. We want him to do well. But, yeah, I think he needs to really get a good run of victories going, and it has to start this week. I'm going to say a 1-0 victory to United. Maybe it's a bit optimistic. I think we should get it, and I'm hoping with Martial in, maybe he'll be he'll be the difference to save Solskjaer. Tom, anything to add before we wrap up? No, just hopefully we can get back to some type of some type of winning formula because I was so looking forward to this game against Arsenal and having the bragging rights, but it is just a real kick in the teeth and it makes you wonder why on earth we keep supporting this club when you you know they're going to do this to you. Yeah, the kicks in the teeth hurt and that's why, everyone, you need to get private health insurance. We'll leave the podcast there. We'll be back with you on Thursday. We'll review the instant ball game, hopefully a win. Jesus, I can't do this again. Tom, it's been a pleasure as always, mate. We'll chat Thursday. Cheers, mate. Cheers.